as amazing as it is to look at what God has done over the course of the past six years, we get even more excited to just envision and dream about what God is going to do for the next 60 years through Auburn Community Church. So I love the story of God's faithfulness. But the reality is we are still in the early days of Auburn Community Church. And so if you're just jumping on board and you're like, what is this church all about and can I be a part of this story? Absolutely. We believe God is going to do something brand new and is going to continue to grow the faith family that has started here. And you can be a part of that. One of the main ways that people at our church get to contribute toward what God is doing here is through the giving of tithes and offerings. And we actually don't believe that giving our money to ACC is a burden. We believe in tithing because we get to bring back to God what he has entrusted to us. And so tithing is an act of worship. We give cheerfully, not under compulsion. And so we're gonna go into our bringing time. And I just wanna remind us, when we do bringing time, we are not just giving money toward a budget or toward a certain need. We are participating in the story God is writing through ACC and the kingdom of God advancing on planet earth. So you can give on Venmo at Auburn Community Church. You can give online. You can send checks in right here to 323 Airport Road, Sweet O. Thank you to so many of you for giving so generously during this season. We are blown away by your generosity and I cannot wait to open the word of God today. I have had the series that I'm about to preach in my mind since back in March when COVID originally hit. And I've just had it in my back pocket as just this idea about preaching on the Holy Spirit of God from multiple different passages. But what happened over the course of COVID lasting longer than any of us anticipated is I realized that the word that God was planting and growing in my heart through all these passages was going to have a timing to it. You know, God's all about timing. You know, there's some things in your life that happen just at the right time because if it would have happened sooner or if God would have let you wait one second longer, it wouldn't have been the same. God's timing is perfect. Some of you need to know today you're in a season of waiting and you feel like God is off time for delivering the promises in your life. You need to know God's always right on time. We either need to catch up to him or most of the time we need to slow down and get our hearts surrendered again to his timetable. I want to preach a sermon series to you. I want to give you the title right now. This series is called Fresh Wind. Fresh Wind. Would you look at somebody next to you right now and say, you look fresh today? Could you just look at somebody around you and go, you look fresh. I love the word fresh. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to provide fresh wind for this season. And that sounds so good to those of us who live in Auburn, Alabama, because just in case you don't live in Auburn and your climate is maybe a little cooler, the last three months have been nonstop scorching heat and humidity combined to create an atmosphere where you cannot walk to your car without dripping in sweat. I literally, I, I go to lay out at the pool. Yes, I like laying out, okay? And I promise you, I love that that gets made fun of in me. I promise you, if you have my job, you would love to lay there and do nothing, okay? So I love laying there and doing nothing. I'm like, I can't lay out at the pool anymore without becoming a pool in five minutes. Yeah, it's disgusting, but it's real. That's how hot it is right now in Auburn, Alabama, and we are dreaming about September. We are dreaming about October. And as I was envisioning that title, Fresh Wind, I just thought, how good does that feel at the end of the longest summer of our lives to envision the Holy Spirit as the wind of God that's covering us with this refreshing moment to enter in to a new sustainable pace 
You know, the Bible over and over again compares or it talks about the metaphor of the Holy Spirit as wind. Jesus says in John chapter 3, he said, the Holy Spirit's like the wind. You can't tell where it's going. You, you can't even really tell where it came from, but you know that it's there and you know it's moving. It's on you. The Holy Spirit, I think so many times for a lot of us, feels elusive. And in this season, I just thought, wow, how amazing would it be if the season that seemed like it just wasn't going to end turned on a dime because the Holy Spirit invaded the people of God at Auburn Community Church. And the season of COVID-19 in 2020 wasn't something that we remembered for the rest of our lives as this drudgingly long, never-ending suffering of canceling stuff. What if 2020 was something that we remembered as the time that the Holy Spirit of God redefined our identity for the rest of our lives? And what if there was a fresh wind that rose up on the, hopefully, the back end of this year and God did something brand new? And then I was thinking about the Holy Spirit and I was like, you know, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is like the wind, but the literal meaning of Holy Spirit in your Bible is breath. Do me a favor, because you just breathe really deeply, go, I let it out. See, there's something that is happening in your body as you take in an extra level of oxygen. And what's happening is your, your body is, is coming alive in that moment and you're, you're breathing in and taking in what makes your body tick. I believe our souls need the breath of the Holy Spirit to awaken us once again. And so I want to give you an alternative title to this sermon. I don't want to just call it Fresh Wind. I also wanted to call it Second Wind. Because the Holy Spirit isn't just some external wind that breezes across your face and makes you feel better. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God that brings dead things to life from the inside out. And so I I wanted to call it second wind because I was like, 2020 is this marathon turned triathlon where you got to the end of running this long race and they were like, great, I know you're exhausted. Here's a bike. You're gonna go 100 miles on the bike and then once you're done, somebody's there with a swimsuit and they're like, get in the pool. You're about to swim 200 miles. I don't know why it was 200 in my head, but that's a long time. And it's like, there's no way I'm gonna have the energy for this race. There's no way I'm gonna be able to sustain all that's happening all around me. Well, here's the thing. I don't know a lot about running long distances, but I do know this. There's something in running called a second wind or a runner's high. And it's what happens when you're running a long race and you don't really feel like you can sustain the pace that you're moving at. And then all of a sudden, scientists believe this is because you're receiving endorphins, but your body's also adjusting to the pace. All of a sudden, your body's like, I can sustain this. And you end up in this comfortable sort of free breathing zone called a runner's high where you're moving at the pace you were moving at before, but everything feels totally different. I believe through the breath of the Holy Spirit, we are going to experience a second wind. And I believe the reason why so many of us are so far from that being our daily reality is because every time I've said the Holy Spirit so far in this gathering, you really, if you got honest, have no idea what I'm talking about. Because even just conceptually, it's easy when we go, God is a relational heavenly father. We have a concept for father. God is the son. He's the sacrificial son, Jesus. The glory of Jesus is the reason for all things. And he died and rose again so that we might have life in him. And so we feel this relatability when we sing Jesus, Jesus. And we feel so connected when we say God is a good, good father. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's this mystical distance that happens. And when I say the Holy Spirit wants to provide fresh wind and a second wind, it feels really hype. But we don't even really know what to do with it. Sounds a little bit, when you bring it up, like, 
I was thinking about Harry Potter this week, and I know it's like, oh, don't talk about Harry Potter. I don't want to risk Harry Potter getting canceled or somebody being offended by the fact that I know about Harry Potter. I was like, you know, a lot of times when you talk about the Holy Spirit, people get weirded out so fast because they think it's like the defense against the dark arts class. And you're like, oh, spiritual warfare and the Holy Ghost. How exactly does that work in my daily life? And I think that's part of the reason why so many Christians claim with their mouths to have access to all this power, but in their hearts and minds and lives look powerless because we disengage from the Holy Spirit Maybe because we grew up with somebody who taught us bad theology or maybe because we saw somebody abuse the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to invite us in this moment. Could you open your eyes and open your heart and mind to the idea that maybe the Holy Spirit has a fresh wind and a second wind for you and me during this season if we would open our mind to who he really is? This is going to be powerful. I want to talk about your personal access to the Holy Spirit because we need a second wind. As I think about our church scattered all across the country and somewhat all across the world, I think we got a lot of people who are tired on the inside. They're exhausted. And they are waiting for the moment that second wind is going to hit and it's just not hitting. And I want us to look at the word of God and see that when Jesus promised that it was better for us that he go and be with the Father and we receive the Holy Spirit, he actually meant it. Do you remember the night before Jesus died in the book of John, his disciples are panicking and he's like, I'm leaving. This is about to get bad, but take heart. Do not be afraid. You know, the Bible says, fear not, do not be afraid 366 times. That's one for every single day of the year, including leap years. That is because God is trying to say loud and clear, you don't need to be afraid. But what is the context of Jesus saying, don't let your hearts be troubled, don't be afraid? He says, I'm sending the helper, the advocate, the guide to you. And in John chapter 16, he actually says, it is actually going to be better for you that I go. Because if I go, the Spirit comes, and then we're connected. I'm in heaven, and I've sealed your righteousness before the Father forever, and you've received the same power that gave me the power to do what I've done in my life. We have access to the Holy Spirit of God, but I don't think we believe Jesus when he said, it's better that I'm not in front of you physically. And so what I want to do is I want to look to the Word of God, and we're going to look to one of the most powerful chapters in the entire Bible about how exactly is access to the Holy Spirit lived out in your life? Are you interested? Is this something that the few people in this room who are spread out are interested in? Okay, we're going to talk about the Spirit of God, and it's not going to be weird. It's going to be biblical. Would you hold your Bible up all over this place? Bible drill. Bible drill. Come on. Come on. Even in this room, we got to get ready for October, guys. Everybody else put them down. Single people, leave them up. Leave them up. Single people, leave them up. Leave them up. I love it. Okay. Okay. After this, we're all having lunch. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I like tremble a little bit saying Romans chapter 8 because this is a scary good passage. It's a passage that I've gone back to as an anchor in so many seasons of my life where I've been confused or in so many seasons where I just need to remember what it's all about and that God's got me. Do you have anchors in the Bible like that that you just keep looking back to over and over again and you're like, when I get lost, I just gotta go back to this passage to remind me who I am and why I'm here and that God is on the throne. Romans 8 is that. But understanding the power of Romans 8 is dependent on whether or not we see it in the context it was originally written. 
Romans 8 is not intended for us to just read about being more than conquerors and all these, if God is for us, who can be against us? All these really powerful statements. They're amazing, but they're not intended to be isolated. This chapter actually finds itself in the very middle of Paul's ultimate gospel presentation. So the reason why Romans is longer than all of Paul's other letters is because he writes Romans to the church in Rome that he wants to visit. And he says, listen, I would love to visit you because I need to take up an offering from you so that I can get the gospel to Spain. Paul even participated in bringing time. He was like, I want to get to you so I can preach that message and then you can give financially so I can take the gospel where it hasn't been preached before in Spain. But he says, I can't get to you right now, but here's what I can do. I can write you a letter. And when Paul pens Romans, he says, I'm going to give you the unfiltered, unadulterated, unchanged version of the gospel that connects the Old Testament story of the people of Israel chosen by God, Father Abraham, Moses. I'm going to connect all of that to the coming of Jesus and show you what it means to live the Christian life by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in Romans chapters 1 through 7, Paul introduces the doctrine that's called justification by faith alone. It means God never intended for the Mosaic law to be a means for which people were saved by following rules. That's huge. God gave the law in a powerful way to Moses, and that's actually what ACC kids have been learning about, and it's been amazing. And we showed Aniston Prince of Egypt for the first time, and my wife cried. She never cries during movies, but she cried during Prince of Egypt, and I was like, what are you doing? She's like, it's so powerful, they're free. And it was amazing, and if you haven't seen Prince of Egypt lately, it's so good. But God gave the law to Moses in a powerful way, but not as a means for which mankind could actually be saved. Romans chapter 7 is about being released from the law and being freed to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Romans 8 hits. And the purpose of Romans 8 is to tell Christians how. How does this work? How does this supernatural power of the Holy Spirit actually get accessed in my heart and life? Romans chapter 8, verse 1. If you're there, say I'm there. Here we go. Therefore, I love that. In light of everything I've said so far and in light of what I just said about being released from the law to live in the Holy Spirit, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Boom. Therefore, you need to remember this verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's the best news in all the world. It means if you are in Christ Jesus today, there is zero judgment coming on you down from God for your sin because that judgment was placed on Jesus. You need to mark that verse down. You need to write it down everywhere you possibly can to remind you when you hear the voice of condemnation telling you that you're never gonna be good enough, telling you that you're never gonna change, telling you that things will always be this way, you can remind the accuser that the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of you and there is now therefore no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, good news. The law of the Spirit who gives life, that's the breath. The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do. Listen, the law has power. What God gave to Moses, what's written in the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, powerful. 
But when God distributes the law to his people, it never had the power to provide a realistic way for human beings to enter into a right relationship with God. What the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. This is good news. This is what the gospel means. The righteousness of Jesus has been, here's a big theological word, imputed to Christians as the sinfulness of God's people has been placed on the cross of Christ. If you are a Christian, you don't strive to be righteous before God. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus. Amazing. And I want to live in the next few verses because Paul's going to get into practically how do I live in this new reality that has been purchased for me by Jesus. Look at verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Paul's delineating two tensions that exist in the life of the believer. The flesh versus the Holy Spirit. The flesh is who we used to be, stuck in our sin, destined for death, trapped, enslaved forever, and the Holy Spirit is the one who frees us into this new dynamic of living. But when Paul talks about the difference between the flesh and the spirit, he talks about it in the context of the life of the mind. And he says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit, ruled by the spirit, is life and peace. ACC, look at me. God wants you to have life and peace in your thought life. God doesn't want you trapped in anxiety and worry and fear for the rest of your life. And I have a suspicion that I am looking through a camera at thousands of people that believe Jesus is the Son of God, that call themselves Christians, and they are enslaved to toxic thought patterns that are holding them down from experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit every day of their lives. The battleground is in the mind, and the option is, who's gonna govern your mind? Is it gonna be ruled by the Holy Spirit, or is it going to continue to be ruled by who you used to be in the flesh? Let's look at verse nine. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the spirit. I love this. Paul wants them to know. I'm not saying this is up for grabs. I'm not saying, hey, you might not be saved. No, you are saved. You believe that Jesus is the son of God. You have received the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. I know that's true for me. I don't know if that's true for you. And I, I just want to wrestle with that for a second because I'm preaching a sermon from Paul to Christians and I'm preaching from this word out to believers to remind you that yes, you are in Christ. Yes, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. But I don't want to make false promises to people who just don't understand what it means to step into a relationship with God. All the promises that are yours in Jesus come on the backside of faith. 
If you believe and you trust that Jesus is who he says he is, you are in the realm of the spirit. And Paul's trying to hit that to go, I'm not saying it's up for grabs. I'm not saying this might not be possible for you. I'm saying, no, you have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know whether or not that's true about you today, you're going to get an opportunity by the end of this sermon. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. I even read this this week. That word if indeed means since. Paul says since the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Come on. Paul says... If the same spirit that gave Jesus resurrection power, if that same spirit lives on the inside of you, that spirit promises life to your mortal body. Catch this. The Holy Spirit doesn't simply have power to raise you from the dead when you die. The Holy Spirit also has power to give life to you today as a mortal. This is beautiful about that verse. Paul says the spirit wants to give life to your mortal body. So he acknowledges that there's a tension. He says, listen, listen, I know that there's this back and forth realm of the flesh and realm of the spirit that still lives on the inside of believers. But here's the deal. The promises of God that are yours because of the power of the Holy Spirit are not something that are intended to stay elusive and far off. And so I've been at countless church services where we've sang the song, the same power that conquered the grave lives in me. I've been in countless moments like this one where we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit to free believers and give new life. But I feel like so few of us understand what that practically means for our lives. And so when I say the Holy Spirit's available to give you new life and fill you with a brand new existence and reality, we have to think about what is Paul trying to get believers to see? And it's right there. Look deeper. Go back to verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. Oh my gosh, when God gave me this this week, it's like this is going to set so many people free. If the Holy Spirit feels elusive to you, if God feels far off, if it feels like you just can't conform your life to all the ways that you're called to walk in, here's what you're missing. You ready? The Holy Spirit breathing life into our souls is directly connected to the Holy Spirit having authority over our minds. The Holy Spirit breathing life into our souls is directly connected to the Holy Spirit having authority over our minds. And the reason why the Holy Spirit always feels so elusive and all over the place is because your mind is so elusive and all over the place. And if you haven't handed over the authority of your thought life to the Holy Spirit, don't be surprised if the power of the Holy Spirit to give you a second wind from within feels like it's impossible to get. It happens in the life of the mind. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit empowering someone, I want you to know this. The Holy Spirit is going to unlock new levels of you experiencing God on the other side of you handing over permission for the Holy Spirit to dictate what you think about. This is our problem, church. We 
default to whatever we think about in the morning and we leave it up to what's happening on our phones to determine the reality that we walk in and we wonder why we keep living in the realm of the flesh that we were supposedly leaving behind when we decided to follow Jesus. You did leave the realm of the flesh behind when you decided to follow Jesus, but you're not walking in it until you're walking in what the Holy Spirit wants to think about. Christian, you do not have permission to decide what you want to think about. This is controversial because I feel like in the moment I'm taking away someone's rights and we live in a country where we're going to resist anything that tells us what to do, even if it's something for our own good. We're going to go, no, 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 no. You can't tell me I have to, I have to. If you are a Christian, Paul is literally saying the authority of your mind has been handed over to another. And on the other side of handing over your thought life to the Spirit of God is the power of walking in the realm of the Spirit. Look at verse 12. I want you to see this. This is so powerful. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I love that Paul says, hey, guys, we have an obligation. He doesn't say, hey, we have an option. Like today when you wake up, you can decide, are you going to go the Instagram route? Are you going to go this route for feeling better about yourself? Are you going to go back into this relationship? Are you just going to have a day where you're kind of up in the air in between? No, he says we have an obligation as children of God. And that obligation is not to do what the flesh wants to do. And more specifically, think about what the flesh wants to think about. That obligation is to conform to the voice that lives within you now. And that voice is called the Spirit of God. If I could get really real and really vulnerable right now, I have struggled a lot spiritually during this season because on too many days I have woken up and assumed I have authority to think about what I want to think about today. And it leads me to places that are so toxic. It's, it's not just toxic and sinful and like bad, it's enslaving. It's frustrating because I witness the power of the Holy Spirit on other people and I think things to myself like, why don't I have that? What's going on with me? And so you start to assume all these things like, well, maybe God has given you know, different spiritual gifts to different people and maybe like somebody just sacrifices more than I do. I've discovered that the only difference between somebody who walks by the Spirit and somebody who walks by the flesh is that one person decided that they no longer have authority over their thought life. The power of renewing your mind is the power of being transformed from death to life and believing that Jesus is who he says he is and will do everything he promised, including filling you with the power that he promised from the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. He wants to give you fresh wind. He wants to give you a second wind. He wants to change things from the inside out. But the way he wants to do that is by coming into your mind and going, you can't do whatever you want in here anymore. You can't wake up in the morning and just default to how things might go. You have to intentionally take the time to go, I'm the boss. I'm the Holy Spirit. And when we start going that way and I pull you back, you obey. And when I call you to have a conversation that makes you uncomfortable, you obey. And here's what I found out. The more you obey that voice, the more that, that voice multiplies and compounds. And that voice becomes more real than people around you. Amen. So you need to know this. The Holy Spirit will become more real on the backside of obedience than disobedience. The Holy Spirit is powerful when you disobey. He does remind you that you've been forgiven. He does tell you over and over again that you're a child of God. We're going to see that in just one second. But the Holy Spirit is also a voice within that gets louder and louder and louder the more that you say yes. 
Holy Spirit can be quenched by disobedience and by unrighteousness, but the Holy Spirit can be awakened by one yes, and that yes is, God, you can have my mind. You can have my thoughts. And that's not to say that every moment of every day of your life is going to be like, Holy Spirit, what do you want to think about? This is weird. Like, I'm going to write. You remember that book I was going to write, Everybody Calm Down, for the church in 2020? I'm going to write another one called Christians Stop Being Weird. And, and it's going to be about how so many weird things that we do as Christians could be eliminated with the simple understanding that God is relational. Learning how to trust the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you takes time. Every relationship that you have in your life is built over time, and it compounds the more memories that are made. So you might think you're obeying the Holy Spirit, and you might miss it. That might be an intuition that was not from God. I believe me, that's happened to me before. One of the, the books that changed my life is a book called Practicing the Power by Sam Storms. Highly recommended to you for understanding how the Holy Spirit works in real time. It's when you start to actually obey that voice and, and, and multiply a life of obedience that you start to understand, oh, wow, I'm walking with a very real power on the inside of me that I was not aware that I had. I could tell you stories, and some of them you would go, I don't believe that. You don't have to. It's real to me. I walked into a restaurant. This was a couple months ago. I walked into a restaurant with my dad here in Auburn. And I walked in, and there was a girl standing there about to take our order. And she just eyes lit up, and that usually means, I go to ACC, but I don't know how to tell you that. You're always the guy who I'm listening to, but we haven't met. I've never met this girl. And she was like, hey, you don't know me. And all of a sudden, voice. I was like, I do. Your name is, I said her name. And she's like, never met her before in my life. Now, I don't tell you that to go, oh, wow. Supernatural things are possible. My pastor's weird. I tell you that to go, the obedience to the power of the Holy Spirit is something that transcends just deciding between good and evil. It becomes an adventure where your life is filled with power and purpose because you're following a voice, not determining your own path. And I could tell you, gosh, I'm, I'm thinking of so many other stories in my mind that would go, you're not telling the truth right now. It's okay. It's actually happened for real in my life. But the primary thing the Holy Spirit wants to get across to us today is that we have an obligation to turn over the life of our minds into his hands. And it begins with believing that you are who God says you are. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's a tendency to tell stories like that and things get weird real fast. And that's, that's all fun and good. But coming back to the foundational reason why the Holy Spirit was sent out on planet Earth in the first place is huge. And it happens in the next few verses. Look at verse 14. Sam, you can go ahead and come up here, man. I'm done, I promise. Don't you love that fake preacher clothes? It's like, I'm not even close to being done, but I want you to feel like I'm done and like it's going to be over soon. I can't even fool you because this is a video. You can see how far I go from now to the end. It's kind of the end. Here we go. Verse 14. And I promise this will change your life if you tune in. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I love that. You guys know the Bible doesn't have to say that. It could say for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the servants of God. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the favored of God. For those who are led by the Spirit are the what? Children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. 
Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. What does the Holy Spirit exist to do? The Holy Spirit exists to give you a seal on your soul that says you are a child of God. By the Spirit, we cry, what? Abba, Father. That's an intimate term that means I'm in the family of God. And I would argue that every activity that you take in your life, every thought pattern that you go down actually begins with a decision that you made about your identity. And Paul's saying the Holy Spirit seals you with a brand new identity as a child of God. And maybe the reason why your thought life is all over the place and why you can't develop any sort of consistency, it's because every day when you wake up in the morning, your identity is all over the place. But you get that identity sealed in who you are as a child of God. Now your thoughts and actions and worship flows from that. The authority of your mind is determined by the identity in your heart. And so if you want to know, how do I get the Holy Spirit ruling my mind? Here's where it begins. Agree with God that you belong to God. You want the Holy Spirit to breathe new life on the inside of you? Agree with God that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit, if I may, he's a preacher. He speaks. Jesus called him a guide. And you want to know the main thing he's going to guide you into? believing again that you are still God's child regardless of what you did yesterday. You have to believe once again that you belong to God regardless of what your track record looks like and regardless of how things have gone so far. The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That happens to me every day. There are so many moments that the way I feel and the way I think says, you're not a child of God. That's condemnation. That's the enemy. What does the Holy Spirit do? Convicts. And when he convicts, what does he convict you about? Righteousness. And he says, you've been made right with God. When the Holy Spirit speaks to me and reminds me, regardless of how I feel or how I behave, that I still belong to God, my agreement, my faith in that moment to believe that voice becomes the authority that rules over my mind and my behavior. So the way, the power of the Holy Spirit's gonna fill you today is not through louder songs. It's not through more of a commitment to pray at consistent times. It's not through some sort of spiritual discipline that you need to develop. It's not even through, okay, I gotta change my mind right now. No, it comes through a spiritual agreement to go, God, I am who you say I am. And if you call me child, what's your job as a child of God? Agree. God, I agree. I am who you call me today. And for the rest of your life, the Holy Spirit will remind you again and again and again that you're still in the family. I wanna tell somebody today who during this season of COVID, you've made a mess of your life. Many of you, I just feel like I'm speaking to a guy. Every time I do this, I don't do it because I feel like I might weird people out, but I have to be obedient to the voice that's on the inside of me and practice the very sermon I'm preaching right now. There's a guy in his mid-20s who got free from pornography a while ago, and that addiction has come back during COVID. 
And right now, as I talk to you, you feel the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of your heart telling you, it's you. Here's the message from heaven. God knows and you're free. God knows and you're forgiven. God knows and you belong. There are thousands of people trapped right now in really wayward patterns of thinking and you need to just know God has read every single thought and he still calls you daughter. He still calls you son. That's love. And when that love now defines your identity, here's what you've unlocked. You've unlocked wind, the Holy Spirit within. So here's what I wanna do right now. If everybody could just bow your head and close your eyes. If you're watching this right now, I wanna have a moment where you just bow your head, you close your eyes before we sing. Because we're about to claim our identity as children of God. I wanna give you an opportunity to hand the authority of your mind back to the Holy Spirit and admit to God, for most of us that we've been taking our thoughts into our own authority. And we've been deciding on a given day what we're gonna think about and what road we're gonna go down. And this is a moment, this is an opportunity to go, God, I'm listening. God, my mind is yours. Would you change me from the inside out? I believe God's gonna renew you. If you've never stepped into a relationship with God before and you're like, I don't even know what it means to be a child of God, it means this, God has a son. His name is Jesus. He came down from heaven in your place, died a sinner's death, raised from the dead, and now lives on the inside of believers by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is the son of God and you commit with your life to following him, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead will fill you up right here and right now. I want you to pray a simple prayer. I just want you to pray, Jesus, I give you my life. This is a moment for believers to change their minds and for unbelievers to cross over the line of faith. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that our identity would be sealed in you in this moment. I pray for people who can barely find the faith to agree with you that they're children of God. I pray that you would just cover them with a supernatural level of faith right now. I pray for adventurous Christians to rise up during this season who stay obedient to the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we're tired. We're exhausted. We need a second wind. We need some fresh wind from heaven. God, would you hear our prayer in Jesus' name and cause our church to rise up in faith and worship like never before? Would you remind us fresh anew every morning? You're still my child. Agree with my word. Jesus has risen. It is done. And God, as we do that, would you be exalted through our worship? God, take these songs, take this moment and magnify the name of Jesus, the name above all names. We love you and we worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.